0: Let's dive into improving our state of being. Welcome back to the Minding Wellness Podcast, my friends. This week, my special guest is Cindy Leach. Cindy is a 45 year old mother of four and two time title pro athlete in the fitness industry. She is a BII, which stands for breast implant illness survivor, who has endured a major breast surgery as well as various health complications was also recently diagnosed with two scalp diseases, leaving her bald permanently. It's her mission now to show our true beauty on the inside, how God sees us, and to be a voice for other breast implant sufferers. I had a really great conversation today with Cindy, learning about her journey from going from kind of the peak of her wellness in the fitness industry winning titles to now dealing with a very bumpy road of her wellness journey. And she is very transparent, very kind and generous in sharing her story for the purpose of helping others. And I know that you will find value here with Cindy. Here we go. All right. I'm so super excited and honored to have Cindy Leach with me today. I know she will have so much goodness to share with me and the whole audience. And so I'm really honored that she has agreed to come on. Thank you so much for being here, Cindy.
1: No, thank you very much. I'm very honored. Um, So this, this is exciting. Yeah, I'm really
0: excited to to dive in. I so appreciate it. So before we get started into your story, let's first go with the question I ask all of my guests, which is what does true wellness mean to you?
1: Well, true wellness to me is um kind of um overall how we take care of our body from the inside out. And uh about 9 years ago is when I really started learning what that was with trying to learn how to properly eat you know, with um, portion control, just learning more about what goes into our body, you know, for, for, you know, weight maintenance. Uh, I had had four kids, the last of them being twins. And um, so there were some things I wanted to change up. And then I got into fitness into the gym and then into professional competing. So, uh, you know, I, I had to do everything from what went into my body to the output of my body of how I exercised. And, you know, as women, we need, um, Everyone needs exercise, but as women, you know, we, you know, as we get older, we face things, you know, such as osteoporosis, uh, a lot easier than the men do. So just learning how to truly take care of our body as it's continuing to age. And for each phase of life is, is, is wellness to me. And, you know, where, you know, from what we, the stress we take on to how, you know, how well we sleep, there's so many facets to wellness.
0: Mm, so true. I love that answer. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um all right, let's go ahead and you I know you mentioned a few pieces of your background, but I would love to just dive in a little bit deeper into sort of the journey of the work that you've done in the past and what's led you to the work that you do today.
1: Um, well, um, in the past, um you know, as far as the the fitness stuff, is that what we're wanting to start with?
0: Yeah, I know that that's a big part of your journey, so definitely including that. But if there are other, you know, pertinent and significant parts, those as well.
1: Um, Well, you know, about nine years ago, so I started um, getting into the more health aspect. I started not being able to fit into some things, and my background was dance growing up. So I was always used to kind of having a, uh, a certain look about me as far as being in shape. So I started taking things into my own hands, looking in, of course, how to Um, eat right. I totally learned about portion control back then and how to read labels, you know, so obviously they do put labels on food for a reason, (laughs) you know, which uh, you don't pay much attention until you have to. And uh, so I started that journey about nine years ago. And, you know, the, the, the first part of some of the stuff of many different things I've been through in life, about six months into that, my oldest daughter was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. She was 13 at the time. So uh, life was put on hold for about six months, but even going through that, um, you know, we learned a lot of just how important body it is. So uh, then I I kept going. I started taking uh, nutrition classes, you know, getting certified for personal training, things like that. And I started competing. I had people asking me if I was a competitor when I would be in the gym and I was like, no, what is that? So uh, I got turned on and I, uh, in 2013, I competed in my first bodybuilding show and it, it was a whole new world. And for me, it was pretty easy. I'm that person that you can tell me what to eat when I need to eat it and I can do it. It's not a, not a struggle at all. I can eat the same thing every day if I have to. So that part was pretty easy for me. I'm already a disciplined person. Um, I like to live by a schedule. So that was easy. The workouts were fun i it was my it was my time for myself but before that i had also gone through different bouts of anxiety so i had been i'm um, actually on antidepressant and anxiety medicines and once i started working out i was able to get off all of that and I, you know it's not something you just you go and just get off of obviously talk to your doctors and all that but exercising I learned that there was a lot of benefits from exercising that even helped with, you know, keeping our serotonin levels up and learning what that is. So my overall health was improving, not just, you know, whatever weight I was losing, my mental health was improving as well. So we know I kept going from there. I, I, I was blessed to having the dance background, being on stage. Um, I come to life on stage. I love just performing for people. So um, that was the start of it. 2013, my first show, I did second place. I went on from there a few months later to take on first place and win my first pro title. And then in 2015, I earned my second pro title in a physique category. I moved up. I was like, all right, we need a new challenge. Um, I love to challenge myself. That's, that's probably my biggest thing. It wasn't about the trophies. It was about the, I set a goal and I achieved it. And to me, that. That was the best thing. And then I did my last show in 2017 um, in Vegas, my last pro show. And that was the last time I will ever compete again. I um, I wasn't sure if I would compete again. I had thought about it. But then when I started having health complications in 2019, that's when I knew I was done with the stage. And uh, I'm OK with that decision I've made. But even since then, I look at All that I learned through the bodybuilding part of how I learned so much about my body. I was very in tune with it, which actually helped guide me in when 2019 came with different health complications to know something is just not right, but it took us a while to figure out what, but I would not have been in tune with my body had I not gone through all the fitness and learning, you know, everything of what my body could do as far as with what I ate, what I didn't eat and the exercising. So that, um, that was actually a huge part of helping my journey with my health now over the last, you know, two years now.
0: So so interesting. I love how our lives take these courses that we can only put the pieces and dots together as we look back. but that your journey through this fitness you know world, even though it was you know on stage and not that's not everybody's details of their story, but, right. but because you were so in tune and kind of had to be through that process, you were able to really pay attention to what was going on. So take us through and congratulations by the way. I don't know anything about this um, world of pro titles, but it sounds like it's super difficult. <laughs> and it sounds like you stood up to the challenge and you you definitely won. So congratulations on all of that. That sounds like a, a hard and difficult road that you uh, surmounted so that's fantastic. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So take us through you know you mentioned in 2019 that um, things got, started to shift and that year you know you were informed to be able to look for things based on on where your journey was the last couple years. So what started showing up in 2019?
1: Um, well, in uh, February of 19, um, I started, it didn't seem like nothing major at the time, but um, I ended up sick with bronchitis and to many that's probably nothing, but I am someone who is rarely sick. I, you know, I didn't even have a primary care physician because if I was ever sick with like the flu, I just had to go straight to urgent care. It would be something that was like, all right, you've got flu or strep through. I, other than that, I really have been healthy. So I started out, I had bronchitis um, and, but I was still having trouble breathing. So from about February to April, I was in the urgent care and an ER probably three different times, not able to breathe. Um, <clears throat> in that amount of time I ended up, I was diagnosed with bronchitis twice. I ended up with pleurisy for about two months, which is you know just an inflammation of the lungs. From all the coughing, from the, the bouts of bronchitis, but pleurisy is very painful in itself because every breath you take, it hurts. Um, so then, still trying to figure out why I couldn't breathe, um, I finally had to go to an asthma, you know, asthma and allergy doctor. Come to find out, I had asthma, and I was diagnosed with adult onset asthma, which to me was still weird. I was like, "What? I've never had problems with, like this." And um, my lung capacity was about forty percent. And so I was living on inhalers. Of course, I had the maintenance inhalers, you know, twice a day and then the, you know, the rescue inhalers. And so I I just, it changed everything. You know, working out was difficult because if my heart rate even got up, it was hard to breathe. I would have to use the inhaler. So all of that, as far as my working out, changed as well. And as the year progressed, moving into June, July, I was starting to go to a pulmonologist well, you know, to see, you know, the asthma doctor was like, well, let's see what's wrong with your lungs. There's got to be something else going on. Um, Also along this time as the year, as these months were progressing, I was starting to have other issues like uh, muscle cramping, light sensitivity, skin sensitivity. Um, There was different things of fatigue. And during our, my pulmonology, they did a lung function test and during that test and i don't know if anyone's ever had those that's where they put you in the booth excuse me and they do all kinds of like breathing exercises and things like that well i ended up in distress and they had to call the ambulance to transport me to um, the local hospital because um, my whole left side we kind of thought i was having a heart attack is basically what the symptoms were so we go through that and from the little bit of the lung function test, they couldn't see anything really major that wrong. Okay, so my health issues just kept going. Um, Muscle soreness, I started having weird twitches like mum, facial muscle twitches, just different things with my body were happening. I was having symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis and come about September or October, I received a letter Um, a recall letter from the manufacturer of my breast implants and to precede um, I had gotten implants years ago after having all my kids as I had like a, a, a pretty evident malformation from after the twins between my breasts so I just had them you know kind of evened out is basically what it was and many people didn't even know I had that done well they had to be replaced about nine years later but I really only needed one replaced and so I went and saw a local doctor that was actually had, you know, kind of become a friend, you know, it was all in the community. And he talked me in to the implants that I ended up getting due to what I did for fitness. So that, you know, my weight fluctuation, you know, when we get ready for a show, when we put on weight before leaning out for a show, um, they were supposed to be the, the best implants for that type of work. They were the new gummy bear ones, textured gummy bear implants. And you're told, If they are to rupture, they won't leak. So um, I agreed to them. And so the health problem started probably only within about three years after getting those implants. So when I got that recall letter from the manufacturer, um, I contacted the lawyer. I was like, okay, what do I do? What, What is this? And they were like, well, go get a mammogram and ultrasound, just get them checked out. You know, it's precaution. Well, sure enough, Uh, I went and had that done and the breast doctor did discover that my right implant was ruptured and leaking into my right um, lymph nodes in my right armpit. Well, I had no indication in my breast that anything was wrong. Nothing looked weird, no pain, nothing. But right then I asked that doctor, could this be why I've been sick? And she was like, well, this isn't good. Um, She goes, obviously they'll have to come out. So in a matter of finding that rupture, um, all within about three weeks or so, I did become sicker. I got to where I was not eating. It hurt to breathe. My entire body hurt to breathe, to even move, to walk. So basically my body was starting to shut down. So I, I saw the surgeon first that did the implants and he kind of was dismissive. Breast implant illness is only fairly a new term that is being more recognized as many, many women are getting sick from their implants, whether it ruptures or not. And so he was kind of dismissive, just kind of saying, well, you know that we can't guarantee your symptoms will be gone if I remove them. And even after looking at my film, he told me, I am not convinced it's leaking. I want you to get an MRI. Well, I couldn't get an MRI for at least a week. I called around, I could not get in. until the following Monday night and that was driving an hour away to even get the uh, MRI done so I already had a second consult set up with another surgeon that morning and after looking at my film and looking at me he put me in emergency surgery the very next morning Um, only then did we discover it was the worst rupture he has seen in his history of implant ruptures and he did Um, I've heard from other women that I've somehow met, you know, over this, this time that they were like, oh my gosh, you were the one he was talking about. You know, of course he didn't put my name, but he has used me as an example. He gave me a stack of photos and told me that he had never taken that many photos of a surgery. He called his entire staff in to see the surgery. And he even went on channel 11 news with me. We did a news segment. So this was the worst of the worst. Um, My rupture, it was all throughout my entire chest cavity, which is what caused the asthma. And it also had to be cleaned out of my ribs. So we did the surgery. um, And I tell you, within hours, many of my symptoms were gone. My blood pressure was back to normal. I didn't have the joint pain like I did. So a lot of things were fixed and I thought I was good. So that, that's kind of the first hub of the story. And, you know, you think when that all happens, you know, we get all this stuff out. um, You think, all right, we are going to be good now because many of the women, they're fine after. And my journey just did not stop there. (laughs) There's so
0: many pieces to this that I'm just like, you know, red flags everywhere. I'm thinking, okay, you have all these symptoms. There's probably next to 0% chance that this would have ever been linked to that if you hadn't got that recall. You know, if you didn't get the recall letter to question it, I don't, I can't see how likely it would be that anybody would put this with breast implant illness. Um, You know, like, were you being asked routinely? I don't think women are asked routinely. Do you have breast implants? You know, I mean, I'm not asked that I don't, but I'm not asked it. So my doctors wouldn't know. And So, you know, I just think like, wow, what if you, you know, what if you had moved and you hadn't got the letter or, you know, just so many things of what if you just didn't know, and this was not, this cause wouldn't have been found because you didn't have, there was no obvious like deflation of one side of your chest, or there was no, like you couldn't feel liquid trickling. Like there was no no way for you to
1: know either. No, I had nothing in my breast even looked odd and they, I had no pain anywhere in my chest whatsoever. Wow. It's
0: just, so. <laughs> it's so amazing to me. It's so amazing. To, I mean, and the body is such an amazing, you know, machine that, that really tries its <laughs> hardest to compensate, you know, but at some point it, it's like the tipping point and it was really trying its best to, you know, keep you breathing. And, you know, but yeah. when it's got all of this um, leakage, it was, it was really struggling. Okay. So most of your symptoms resolve after you have the surgery, um, are, were any specifically remaining, like do still, do some still remain today?
1: Um, well, so what ended up happening, um, come about March of 2020, I started getting, I didn't have really any any problems at that point, from surgery to then, as far as, you know, feeling bad, I, I was feeling pretty good. I was back in the gym uh, within about a month after surgery, and Um, so I was feeling good. Well, then come about March, my, I started getting lumps on, I had a few big lumps on the front of my throat, basically on my thyroid. Um, They were painful, but they lasted about a week and then they went away. So I didn't think anything of it. And then come about June, they returned. So at this time, I, I had to, I went to see my um, gynecologist because I was like, okay, something could be wrong with my thyroid. You know, you're still following women that have gone through breast implant illness. You, you know that there's still other things that could happen, but so, and thyroid issues is one of them. So I went right away to the gynecologist. They set me up, they did some blood work, and then they also set me up to have an ultrasound done in my thyroid. With that, I was then told I was in premenopause and that I had a lesion on my thyroid of about a, I don't know what, 0.8 Whatever, however they do it, centimeters or whatever. But they were not concerned about it. They said it does not look cancerous. We'll just keep an eye on it. Now, to be the premenopause, yes, I am of the age I could start, you know, going into that. But in October, I was fine. I had my annual done in October, everything was fine, surgery November, and then all of a sudden now I'm in premenopause. So part of me does. I have to look at it and associate it with the breast implant illness, only because uh, then the lesion on my thyroid pops up after that. But then also some of the other things were starting to kind of return or linger. I was starting to get different symptoms of like fibromyalgia symptoms at times. I had a couple of days and different times that it it hurt to even open my hands. Um, But then I also, I went through a really, really rough period, very dark period of about three months, because after they had done testing, like my thyroid doing different, we did some blood work for the thyroid, all my numbers showed in range. So endocrinology wouldn't even help me. They were like, well, you you know, your numbers look in range. There's really nothing we can do for you yet. But I went through three months of not knowing what's going on with my, I felt crazy. I will flat out say it. I felt crazy. I had become aggressive. I was starting to throw things, kick things. Um, I didn't understand what what was going on. I just did not feel myself. So I finally went to a primary care physician and she was like, you know what? She goes, you're basically a 15, you know, 15 year old teenage boy. My estrogen, you know, in the premenopause, our estrogen drops and our testosterone spikes. And that's what had happened. So then... I had to get on premenopause medicine, but they did choose to do a non-hormonal one because of my breast of the history of the surgery. So she did not wanna put hormones into my body. So that helped. I I can now say I feel normal, the hot flashes, the night sweats, everything is under control there. But it was just one more thing added to my list of stuff. And also in that time of dealing with these new health complications, my guy of four years walked out on me, <laughs> which is a piece of my journey. Um, God has given full peace through it, but he just kind of couldn't handle any of it anymore. Um, you know, which in a way, I, I know that that was had to be very challenging for him seeing me going through all that. But so that happened uh, almost six months ago. So that happened. The, you know, the, the premenopause is under control. Um, I had started since I knew how to eat properly with how I had, you know, become with wellness. I just started trying to eliminate things out of my diet, like cutting down the sugar, the gluten and the dairy to help with, you know, the body inflammation. You know, when I would get those fibromyalgia like symptoms, the thing is we get all these symptoms and, but nothing is ever going to show up in our test because I don't have fibromyalgia. I just have the symptoms of it. We are left with lots of different autoimmune issues and it's, it's frustrating because we just, they just want to keep passing us around to different doctors because no doctor can find out what's wrong with us. But having a severe rupture, like I did, I have no idea how much went throughout my body throughout my lymph nodes. The rupture could have been at least, you know, almost a year. I mean, I started getting sick the beginning of February of 19, but I have no idea how long before that the rupture had actually started. So, Um, so all that happened and, and then recently, you know, I, I get through that stuff. I get through the struggle. Um, you know, I had to start therapy when, when I had my breast surgery, my, um, the damage was so much that they did have to remove most of my own breast tissue. So I was cut up like a double mastectomy. I was left with less than I ever had even before kids. So this is kind of a mental thing that I've had to overcome and go through, I've been seeing a counselor for about six months now because I never really got to fully get over the surgery to begin with because then COVID happened and, uh, you know, everything kind of got shut down then. So it wasn't losing the implants for me. It was having to go through just the whole traumatic aspect of all of it. Um, So, um, but that at least got me into a good place with knowing when the new challenge that just happened um, kind of early March of this year. I'm still going still going with challenges um so then about march of this year my hair started falling out uh, rather rapidly and you know i knew my hair had been falling out because of pre-menopause you know you'd see your hair when you brush it and you know in the shower and i had been growing my hair out for over two years so i was so proud of my hair i could put it in a ponytail now i could you know wear it in a little bun i loved it to me my hair was the last piece of femininity I felt I had because I had lost most of my breasts um and then my ovary shutting down I was like okay well I still have my hair that makes me feel feminine and, and pretty and makes me feel like a female right um so then the new journey began um starting in in March when um I had put my hair up and I'm looking around to make sure there's no, you know, fuzzies or stuff hanging down. And, and I noticed a patch missing. And uh, that drew me some alarm. I was like, oh no, what is this? So that now started this, this last phase here that uh, I guess you saw is in the photo. I now have no hair whatsoever. Um, I, I ended up having to shave my head and have been diagnosed with a couple of new things. So my journey is still going. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. a lot. It's a lot. And,
0: you know, I feel like as the audience is listening, at least, you know, I know from from my standpoint, as I'm listening, it's like, we just want to hug you along every step of the way, because this just sounds like it's so overwhelming to, you know, to go from like the pinnacle of your health and not know that there is this, you know, secret damage, underlying starting and by the time it's discovered, it's done a significant amount of damage to the point that it's led to to multiple complications. And so I just, I like want to just take a deep breath for you because I can imagine that this is, this is so overwhelming and um, including some of the relationship and social ramifications that um, unfortunately are not uncommon. And it's, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm wondering as I'm, I'm listening, you know, how, I know you had a little bit of experience with the medical system as you helped your daughter through her own cancer journey. Um, But now that you were sort of diving in as, as the patient with a whole lot of experience in the medical system, um, you know, what were your feelings or assessments or insights, you know, like were there, did you feel dismissed? Did you you feel, you know, are, are people, I know before the diagnosis was concrete, you know, there was a lot of question as to whether this was really what was happening, but, you know, even with the, clarity and diagnosis and, you know, the surgical removal and all of that, you know, what are, what are you feeling through all this? Do you feel seen and heard? Do you feel dismissed? How
1: are you feeling on the healthcare side? Uh, honestly, I'm feeling dismissed because the the primary care doctor, she was great at understanding what I'd been through the premenopause, you know, so that's, that's fixed, but now I have had blood work. So The dermatologist's office I went to, um, what happened was the hair started falling out really bad. They did a biopsy. Um, Come to find out I have a form of alopecia, but I also have what's called lichen plantar polaris. It's very rare. Um, Only about 1.25% of the population get it. It's based autoimmune. Basically, um, my hair follicles will at some point all die. All we can do is manage the symptoms of the inflammation, the itching, the pain, um, to just try and prolong what hair follicles I do have left. So shaving my head got rid of a lot of the pain. And, you know, I even asked her, you know, even if I try to let my hair grow back, will it fall out again? And she's like, yes. So we, we just, I just have to keep my head shaved. So the dermatologist, we started going through, the first thing she recommended was doing an autoimmune panel. of a bunch. you know, we did white blood cell count, an autoimmune panel that checked, you know, was supposed to check a bunch of things like MS, uh, lupus, different things like that. So I get that done and it comes back everything in range. I tell you, I'm so tired of hearing that term in range because every doctor, when they see that things are in range, they just stop there. So we were at another dead end with um, the stuff showing in range. It's, it's, I, I don't know, it's just, it's really frustrating because it's like, okay, well, something's obviously wrong. I will never have hair again and something inside my body is happening to cause that, but what is it? And to go back, the implants were recalled for causing a rare non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So obviously that does sit in the back of my mind, but I'm trying to go through the proper channels of getting the right test, but I don't have insurance. And you know you wish that someone would look at you and, and not be dismissive knowing you don't have the money to just go around to all these different doctors. So we did that and I was like, okay, well, what now? If this stuff is showing in range, what's next? And they were like, well, you know, the only other thing we've ever seen associated with it is hepatitis C. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, I'm pretty sure I don't have that. you know, before I had my health issues, I always gave blood and platelets and, but I was like, okay, well, at least let me check it off the list. So I, I did that test last week. And of course it came back negative. So now I'm still sitting here, I don't know what to do next. I, I do not know where to go next, except to check myself in somewhere to say, here, run every test possible. <clears throat> sorry. No, no, don't be sorry it's at all, take your time. Uh, it's frustrating. Since my hair started falling out, um, I have battled, whew, uh, you know, chronic fatigue. I work for myself. I started my own marketing and social media consulting business about eight months ago. And um, I go, go, go. People know me. I'm out in the community a lot. I go a thousand miles a minute. And now I've gone to someone who I can no longer be in the gym at all. I have to nap. (laughs) And I don't do naps. I haven't done naps since I was in kindergarten. (laughs) Um, So my whole life has been turned upside down and inside out. And that's what's frustrating is because, you know, I don't care what's wrong with me? If it was serious, if it was, you know, to test for non-Hodgkin's, to test for a lymphoma, that has to be done, you know, most likely a, um, you know, a biopsy of a lymph node. Um, You you know, that's kind of the last resort I'm trying to take. Um, I do have a new pain in my left breast. I've, I've been having for about a week now. So I'm actually getting that checked Wednesday. I mean, there's just one thing after another that keeps happening. So I'm just trying to be smart and go down the path and hold on as long as I can. But my body is in pain. All my muscles hurt. I almost feel like it's 2019 all over again. Um, if I stand for too long, my leg muscles, they just want to give out. I, you know, I have moments of dizziness, um, just new things have happened. And you know, I, I can overcome not having hair. Um, I've been on a really good journey with God. God has given me peace about everything. I just lean completely on him. It's the unknowns that frustrate me, the unknowns of what is going on with my health and getting doctors to listen to me. You know, most of them have never heard of breast implant illness. So doctors don't know how to treat us. We're not normal. They wanna send you here, you know, go to a rheumatologist or go to, and it's like, I'm telling you right now, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have that. Um, which my autoimmune panel even show, you know, proved obviously I don't have some of those. So honestly, I'm, I'm really frustrated with the medical system. No one is listening to us. No one is taking or trying to investigate more on the breast implant illness and and what all can happen. Lawyers are, you know, are not very uh, helping either. No one wants to take your case. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very frustrated. Um, the medical system has let me down, I would have to say. I
0: so appreciate you sharing that. I know that this is a really emotional journey and time for you. And I can I can sense that you're somebody who really um does have a strong faith and you know, for the most part is, you know, kind of chin up and can get through. But the reality is is we're all human and this weighs heavy. I mean, I can I can feel the heaviness even through just, you know, our microphones. Um, and it's a lot. And I, you know, I I almost want to always being on the other side of the medical system for so many years and being in it and to now being on the patient side, it's like, I want to continuously apologize to people for, for what we do a lot of the times unknowingly, but you're right. There isn't a whole lot of, understanding uh, there isn't even a whole lot of acknowledgement or acceptance of, you know, sort of this type of a situation where there's like a medical implant or a device causing all of this damage. And then what do we do with it? Because now we're trying to diagnose, you know, all of these conditions that would otherwise happen because of, you know, genes or because of environment, but this happened in a much different way. And, and there's just, you know, the medical teams aren't educated on this. They're not talked to about this. And if anything, the healthcare system and the healthcare professionals are more culturally taught, even if it not if not outwardly, but you know culturally taught that um, you know let, let's just first. Um, not accept that this is what it's caused by, you know, let's look for everything else and and to not really acknowledge and validate this until, until it's just staring you, which is what happened to you and, and staring you in the face. And there's no denying it that this is what's happening, but then, but then all the, all these sequela and complications and, and who's taught, who knows how to handle that. And I can absolutely share in the frustration with the, you know, the normal labs, you know, it's in, it's within the lab range, everything's fine. Um. You know that's um, been proven over and over again to not be um, the end-all, be-all. You know we've got some. We try to follow some objective data, but that's certainly not to exclude the patients knowing a deeper knowing that something's not right. Yeah. So I kind of apologize from on behalf of all of the system that is just failing people, and you know it's it's unfortunate because the providers I think are are in general good-hearted people, but they are in a culture that doesn't support finding answers. It doesn't support giving you the time to find answers. It doesn't support them even, you know, having the self-care to, to even, you know, be able to function in any decent capacity. They're pouring from a very uh, empty cup. And, and so the whole system is there's so many parts of it that are broken. So I'm really sorry that you've had to, to deal with all of this. Have you at any point have there been any suggestions of sort of alternative modalities, like a functional medicine physician, or an integrative medicine physician, or acupuncture, anything, anything outside of traditional medicine that you've sought after or been advised to seek
1: after? Um, Not by doctors, but of course, by, you know, friends. And, um, and it's not that I'm opposed to it. I I mean, I, you know, I started going, switching whatever, you know, stuff that I put on my skin to vegan, you know, I mean, I've really started trying to to look at all that I am not opposed to it it's just when you're a single mom you don't have the money to drop three to five hundred dollars on a functional doctor and then still blood work on top of that so you know the challenge also just comes you know financially Um, you know that 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 can be frustrating as well Um, which is probably the the most of it it's like I have to do things in phases but I'm I'm not opposed to it at all. Um, Even, you know, whether it's an immunologist that really can dive into blood or the the functional doctors, which, you know, a lot of that I know is also learning how, you know, how to eat. You know, I'm I'm now having to start researching what I should not be eating to help anything, the inflammation in my body to try to keep the pain off my scalp. So I'm having to self-teach myself a lot of stuff and self-research as well. And I'm by no means a doctor and want to take that from a doctor. And I'm not trying to, you know, Google, you know, WebMD to say I've got this, this, and this, because it, I mean, right now with the symptoms my body has, I, I could probably say I've got everything, but I know I don't. And I'm at least smart about that. And, you know, like I said, the the last thing on my list is I do have to have in the back of my mind, you know, a possible lymphoma, but you know, even if that were the case, I know it could be treated. I'm, I'm not trying to go that route. So I am trying to work on the more functional stuff of what I eat, put into my body, put, you know, onto my skin, things that way until I can afford to get to those actual doctors that that do it. So it's it's kind of like I've become a little bit of my own physician in a way, but I'm not opposed to any of that at all. Mm, It's so true. It is so
0: financially limiting. And, um, a lot of the times it's just not covered by insurance or if it is, it's in, you know, very small, you can only have so many sessions of acupuncture or, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a problem because seeking another opinion from a different perspective is often so valuable, but also it is prohibited by just the cost. And I completely understand that. What would you say has been, um, I know that you said, you know, mentioned a strong faith. What what has kind of gotten you through from sort of a, a mindset, heart space, um, place to, to get through some of these super challenging obstacles and hurdles?
1: Uh, honestly, it, it would, you know, my faith, but also I'm someone who, I always really try to have a positive outlook. I, I try to find humor in things. Um, You know, I had a a campaign I started after my breast surgery to help raise some funds for the surgery. Uh, You know, we, I, I, it was titled um, I flexed and my boobs fell off. So I always try to find humor, you know, even since I've lost my hair, I've tried to find humor. Um, Humor is a huge part of my life. And so trying to make light of things and still try to be encouraging, inspiring to others is really what helps me, you know, get out of myself. Um, I've also got my kids. My kids are very supportive. Um, my oldest daughter, you know, she told me when I had to shave my head, she was like, well, mom, just remember, I'm the OG and bald. <laughs> so I do have a great support system. Um, even with where I live, I have a wonderful support system in, in the community all around because I've been involved in it so much. So that, that's, that is truly what also helps keep me going. All the positivity and then me just trying to pour out myself to others as well and just not sit in the all right you know this has happened to me now instead it's all right this has happened what do we do next let's go i so find the same as you know whenever i'm sort of
0: simmering and what what's going on in you know with me and it's all this you know boxed in me 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 um the minute i start to give to others and pour into others out of service. It's, it pours right back into us. So I I find the same and I appreciate you sharing all of that. As we start to wrap up, I would love for you to share with the audience. um, I know that you are very transparent and you even mentioned that to me before we started recording um, and you, and you, you know, and it's for the benefit because I know people, even if you don't know that they are listening and watching, they are learning and and adjusting their own journey accordingly based on what they're learning from you. So it, it, I know that it's, it's so impactful beyond what, what we often even know, but where can people find you? Um, where, you know, what channels are you on mostly? And, and then if they're interested in working with you from a business perspective, where do they find you for that?
1: Um, absolutely, um, they can find me. I'm on uh, TikTok and Instagram. My handle for those two is at uh, Junkie, J-U-N-K-I-E. Um, they can find me on Facebook. Um, my It's just under Cindy Leach. They'll see um, that, you know, it'll show, usually it's pretty easy to find me on Facebook, just Cindy Leach, L-E-A-C-H. And if they want to work with me, they can message me there. My Facebook page is Cindy Leach Consulting, or they can even email me, Cindy Leach Consulting at gmail.com. And uh, I'm more than happy. I love friends, you know, women. I've had many reach out to me. Um, I know I've you know, even if it's just, if they need words of encouragement or wondering what they're going through, uh, I encourage anyone to reach out to me, even if it's just, if they need prayer or they just need encouraging words.
0: (laughs) Mm, I think you've been so encouraging also on here, even despite having to sort of recant and go through the challenges again. And I just really appreciate, I just really appreciate you, the person you are and the giver you are, nurturer of others, despite what's happening with you. And so I really just am so appreciative and uh, thank you for sharing with all of us.
1: Well, no, thank you so much, Claudia. I was honored to, uh, to be asked to be on your podcast. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much, Cindy, for sharing your story, your journey, the insights. I know that so many will find this valuable. And even if the details of their journey are not the same, the parallels still run deep. And I know that this is going to speak to many people. For those of you who have stuck with me this long, I'm so, so blessed to have you and to be in your earbuds each and every week. I hope you have found value, you continue to find value, and. I would love to hear some of your feedback in your own voice. I would love to communicate and engage on a deeper level. I have set up a voice message system that's super easy to use. You can go to speakpipe.com forward slash minding wellness. I will put that link in the show notes. And the purpose there is you can send me a quick voice message And the reason that I prefer that is because I really want to hear your voices and I want to connect a little bit deeper with my listeners. So you can send me a quick voice message of things that you have loved, maybe ideas of what you would like to hear or just a hello. I would love to hear from you and it's a super easy way to do that. I know we don't have a whole lot of time in our day, so it's kind of like a just a quick voice message that doesn't take much on the technology side. So I would love to hear from you there. And if you have been listening and have been enjoying it and haven't yet put in a review, I would so appreciate you taking just a minute to do so. It really does help others find this podcast and the amazing guests who have contributed. I am excited to see you again next week.